It's always showtime at BetMGM Sports. You can make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000 when you sign up with the code SHERDOG. Don't let another game day go by without having the ultimate sports betting app in the palm of your hand. Discover non-stop excitement with BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and dozens of betting options, including live wagers, props, parlays, and much more. No matter what your favorite sport is or how you like to wager, find out why there's nothing like getting a W at the King of Sportsbooks. Use the code SHERDOG and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Arizona, Colorado, Washington, D.C., Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, or Wyoming only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire in seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, and Virginia. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help uh, in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, or 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Tennessee, call the red line at 800-889-9789. In Mississippi, call 1-888-777-9696. Sports betting is void where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of The Sheehan Show here on Sherdog.com and it's Bellator 280 we're going to be previewing today as the uh, the world's second biggest MMA promotion returns to uh, Europe for a couple of cards here. Uh, obviously, they're in Paris this weekend and they go to London. Um, they'll probably have a few cards in America then and be back again in September in Ireland. Um you know, there's a big gap between those, obviously, so maybe they'll have a good few cards in between that. Um, but it's uh, it's an interesting uh, card this weekend. Obviously, the heavyweight title fight is in the main event and a few other big fights on the card as well. Next week's card, similarly, you know, we have the interim welterweight title fight on it um, and you know, some of our best uh, English prospects and uh, ranked fighters like Fabian Edwards uh, against Leona Machida, obviously, is on that card as well and many others. So um, an interesting time for Bellator and interesting to... Uh, to get to watch cards at normal time. So I'm t- I think I speak for everyone in Europe uh, when I say, good, fair play to you, Bellator. Let, let's, let's do this. Let's keep, uh, let's keep these European cards going. You know, the UFC is coming back to London as well. Let's forget about America altogether. Find these North American cards. Let's just have them all. Paris, I'm perfectly fine with. Maybe, you know, I'll get us a few in maybe you know, Dublin, Amsterdam, to mind these American cars anymore. It'd be absolutely fantastic. But um, I think it is one place where Bellator has really won uh, over the UFC, especially kind of in the UK and Ireland. And now you can add, I suppose, France into that as well, uh, considering, what is this, third, third or fourth event? I don't know. They've done a few events anyway. Maybe it's only the second. Uh, but they've done events in Paris. And, 
you know, they did Italy as well, obviously, during the pandemic. And, you know, the fact that Ireland now has had its third card already since they've kind of started coming back or, or the third card is due. Whereas the UFC have gone to London and now they're going to London again. And that's kind of it. You know, um, you know they talked... Uh, during the pandemic all the time but you see we'll be the first back we'll be the first back doing shows and they really haven't been you know they're they're the only ones still doing shows uh, in the apex I, I heard Ariel speaking about it this week and I spoke about it obviously here and on the over in Severe MMA as well that it's um it's very odd I mean look we know why the UFC are doing it obviously for financial reasons and things like that but you know Dana White talked about world domination and if you need and if you want world domination you need to go around the world and they're not doing that and I think Bellator have um, you know have, have enjoyed that they've signed lots of uh, the best up and coming Irish and British fighters because they're coming here and because uh, you know they, they need them to fill the local guards and they're getting them before the UFC get them uh, and I'm sure they're doing the same with uh, with France now as well um, and there's lots of French names uh, on this undercard that we'll uh, we'll be seeing at the uh, at the weekend and, and obviously a Frenchman uh, topping the card as well with uh, with Czech Congo fighting for the uh, fighting for the heavyweight title. Um, a couple of the, the the names, I suppose, that we people will be uh, will be looking out for on this card and on the undercards. Um, Eve Landu is one that kind of sticks out to me. He had a great performance uh, the last time uh, out. Against uh, Czech Kong, or sorry, against Czech Kong, against uh, Terry Brazier when he hit him with that big knock. Actually, he fought Tim Wilde uh, against Inza and he lost the decision. My apologies, but when he did fight Terry Brazier, it was one of the knockouts of the year, you know, in two thousand and twenty. Uh, and he was is definitely one to to look forward to. He's fighting Gavin Hughes, who and I went back and watched a few of his fights, and he's strong. He's a good wrestler, but other than that, I like I, I don't think he's the best striker in the world, to be honest. I would fancy if it did stay on the feet, Landu is very kind of elusive and he throws his big shots and I think he can get the knockout if it stays on the feet. But I think if the fight goes to the ground, I think Hughes will have an advantage there. Um, so he's one of the names there. And I, I don't know why I picked him up, but he's just one that, that stands out to me that could be in a, in a potentially exciting fight here. The the undercard is filled with French names. Victor Vercher versus Boubacar Kamara. And Matthew Leto against uh, Youssef Cabayas. Uh, you see uh, Lucy Bartod is there against uh, Katarinza Sadura, uh, Joel uh, Jaduza. Actually, I think that fight is off the Nicholas uh, Scatozzi fight, but we have uh, Fabricard uh, Diada against Jordan Barton, who's been around the scene for a while. You know, and one of the another people, two guys who've been around the scene for a long time, Thibaut Gucci, is taking on uh, Lu Long in, uh, in, in the undercard here as well in a uh, welterweight matchup. And. You know, Guti is, you know, he's won three in a row now. He beat Mehdi uh, Baghdad, who we would know from uh, Tough back in the day. Uh, he fought Sage Narcon in the UFC as well. People probably remember that Nazareth Hackprest, uh, as well as a few others. You know, he had one win in the UFC against Andrew Holbrook, but other than that, uh, he lost to Timo Paklin, Aubin Mercier, uh, Chad Laprise as well. And, uh, you know, um, this is... A big opportunity, I suppose, for him to to get back here and get back to winning ways on uh, on a bigger promotion. You know, he fought in War of Titans and French Fighting Championship and Trophy de Etoile 15 before this. So, 
Uh, as I said, the opportunities when you're coming back to France to get French to get French fighters on it are uh, you know are very big, and it's it's great to see. And uh, the fact that they're there before the UFC as well means they will get first dibs. Whereas Lou, you know, look at Lou Longden, his opponent. He's fought now what the last two fights in in um, in Bellator, but he had a few more before that as well. Um, actually, he's fought his last what four fights in the UFC. Well, we know him, I suppose, best. A lot of people would from his uh, his days in Cage Warriors, where he fought against Shea Mills, and he lost to Roberto Soldich, but he fought uh, you know even on the local scene, he fought Ryan Scope before that as well, and he fought Tommy Quinn, who fought recently in uh, in KSW and Irish. Uh, stalwart, I suppose, has been around for a long time. Uh, Paul Redmond as well, who we know from Cage Warriors, KSW, Bellator, UFC, and all different promotions. So, you know, Lou Long is is a good guy, and it's good to see him getting a good opportunity here and, and, a, and a good fight as well uh, on this uh, on this undercard. Um, it'd be interesting, I'm very interested to see Mike Shipman coming back. He's fighting Gregory uh, Babin. Uh, I watched a few of Babin's fights Um a lightning striker is what the, the first thing I saw about him. But he also loves the takedown as well. And he's one of these guys that kind of hides his ability to wrestle with his striking. Um, very good bottom game as well. I watched one of his fights. He won by a triangle and he got it there really, really quickly. So um, a guy definitely to be excited about, I think. But he's going in there against Mike Shipman, who is not an easy guy to beat whatsoever. Uh, he's, what, 14-3 and three now in his career. Uh, beat Pedro Panini last time out in the, the Euro Series. That was back in 2020, that very close decision against Fabian Edwards uh, before that, the split decision where he kind of, you know, he wasn't too happy after that one, but I think at the time it was the right decision. He lost to Cancela Van Stienis as well, but he had some very good wins before that. You know, he beat Carol Noon, uh, he beat Yannick Bahati, beat Craig White uh, over in uh, over in the local scene on UC MMA. So, um He's definitely a very well-rounded fighter, and I think it's maybe moving time for Mike Shipman uh, at this stage of his career. You know, I mentioned he fought Edwards, like Edwards is fighting Machida now. He fought Gonzalo Van Stienis, who's gone on. You know, he beat Fabian Edwards after that, and he hasn't fought since. He was supposed to fight Lorenz Larkin, but uh, that fight fell out, and I don't know, maybe he's injured or something, but... Um, it's a big opportunity here for, for Mike Shipman and Babacar as well. Uh, it's, it's an interesting fight. I mean, it's, an, uh, it's a very interesting fight. I'd be... Uh, what I'm more into, most interested in that is to see where kind of Shipman is at this stage of his career and uh, to see um, to see what kind of a fight that will actually be. Stand out for me, though, on the undercard, uh, Pedro Carvalho against Peter Nidietsky. Um A very, very, very interesting fight from watching both guys. Um... I obviously, you know, Pedro Carvalho, straight out of SPG here in Ireland, is you know he's been on the local scene for a long time and been in Bellator, obviously for a long time as well. Uh, he, I think he's he's one of these guys that's that's underrated, honestly. Um, he he came out in his last fight, and he fought in Ireland, and. He, he emerged to me as one of the stars from that card. You know, a lot of, obviously, the Irish guys lost and stuff. But he went in there and he beat Daniel Weichel. And everyone knows Daniel Weichel. Over 50 fights, been around the scene for a long, long time. And he beat him by unanimous decision. And, you know, it was coming off of two losses for Pedro Caravaggio. Lost to JJ Wilson. Lost to uh, Patricio Pitbull. Obviously, after a very, very good run. Beating the likes of uh, Daniel Crawford and Derek Campos and Sam Cecilia. And, you know, there was talks at one stage here. And I, I know a few people said it. Like, is he the best current active fighter fighting out of Ireland and I think at one point 
you you could definitely argue that, and his win against uh, Daniel, you know, with McGregor away and everything. But uh, you could, uh, and we obviously we know he be and Gary and a few more as well. So it there's there's an argument to be made, but he's up there. He's definitely one of them. I think um, this uh, Peter Nietzsche fight is is so interesting. Um, Nietzsche has a great guillotine. Is the first thing I I look at uh, his highlights. I look at some of his fights. He comes forward like Pedro Carvalho. He has vicious ground upon when he gets the fight to the ground. So I think this one is, is one of those fights that, are, that will be fought in the middle. And whoever can win that battle in the middle, I think, will win the fight. We often hear that. I don't think it's it's not that often that it's true, the way fighters fight these days. Uh, and they can fight in a multitude of different ways. And not to say these guys can't fight in a multitude of ways, but I think they both fight at their best when they're going forward, when they're landing those shots or landing the big takedowns like uh, Nidielski uh, tends to land. Uh, and Carvalho, you know, we, we, we've seen him in, in fights, that Sam Cecilia fight especially, just puts on an almighty pace and kind of drowns you in that pace. And if he can do that to Nidielski, it will be it will be a very, very good performance because, you know, I was talking to, to Graham um, in our preview this week over in Severe and May about it and he was kind of saying this is a, it's it's almost a, a it's not necessarily a lose-lose fight for Carvalho but it's close to that because, you know, you win this fight and people are saying, okay, you beat a guy that no one's ever heard of even though if you look at him and go and watch these fights, this guy is very, very good. Um... And, you know, if you lose, you lose to a guy no one's ever heard of. Now, people should have heard of him. And if they haven't heard of him, they should be going watching him because, as I said, he is very good. So it's an interesting one for Pedro. Like, this has happened a couple of times as well uh, on on these Bellator cards. Like, Brian Moore got that fight over in Russia a week before the Irish card. Ended up losing it and then wasn't on the Irish card. And it was, you know, it got on the, the second Irish card that came back as well. But it just felt like the planning was a little bit off with that one. The fact that Pedro Carvalho, a guy who fought the guys I just mentioned, you know, J.J. Wilson, Patricio Pitbull, he's a name there. He, you know, gave a great interview after the last card. He looked like a guy who was, you know, a bit of a star. And now he's buried on the prelims. And I know he's, you know... He he's not from France, and we we understand. And I was I was given out about <laughs> I was given out about this the last time in Ireland, so maybe I need to uh, need to understand what's happening here. But there are some fights I think higher up the card that could probably be a low a little bit lower down and bring this up a little bit. All in all, it doesn't matter. But um, this to me is this is fight at night written all over. I think this will be the best fight on the card. I think it's a phenomenal fight uh, between two very good guys, and like. If you haven't heard uh, of uh, Piotr uh, Nidielski's name, which I'm probably butchering, uh, you probably will have uh, hear about it after this weekend because uh, he's very, very good. Very, very good. Um, let's run, run through some of the other fights. Uh, I mentioned, obviously, Shipman against Gregory Babin. That looks like it's topping the prelims. I mean, I actually have the card here. Let me just pull it up. Um, do you know what? I, I just got the updated card actually because the, the Seoli fight fell out, and that Carvalho versus Nidielski fight is actually now headlining the uh, the prelims. So that's very good. That and that makes a lot of sense. Um, it was it was down further and on an earlier card. It was down further down. So uh, that is uh, that that's a very good uh, a very good thing to be doing. Having said that, though, Sarton back versus Charlie Leary is further down the card, and I don't know if that makes sense. I'll read the card to you from bottom to top. So opening the card, uh, Victor uh, Vercheria against Burmar Kamara. Uh, Yusuf is fighting uh, Matthew uh, Doklos. 
uh, Lucy Bertro against uh, Catarenza Sadura, Eve Landu against Gavin Hughes. Yeah, I like that as an undercard fight, to be honest. Uh, you'll either have a big knockout from Landu or you'll have, you know, 15 minutes of wrestling maybe from Hughes. Maybe you'll have something else. Maybe there's something I missed there. But then you have Back versus Leary. I love that fight, though. Uh, you have the, uh, Diate against Jordan Barton, Lulong against Thibaut Guti, and then Caravaggio versus Nidielski topping the prelims, which I'm glad it got that spot. The Shipman fight then opens up the main card against Gregory Baben, Lorenz Larkin against Kyle Stewart, Davy Gallon against uh, Benjamin Brande, um, Johan Romero against Alex Pelizzi. We'll get to that in a second, obviously, and in the main event, uh, Bader versus Congo. So uh, I, I mentioned that Sonnenbach versus Charlie Leary fight. That's a fight I'm really, really looking forward to because you look at Sonnenbach over the last while, you know, coming out as a, as a Cage Warriors champion, um, when uh, beating Morgan Charrier after beating Paddy Pimblett uh, in his last two Cage Warriors fights, you know he needs some very good wins before that as well. Beat Scott Glist and beat um, uh, beat Martin Stapleton and Alexander Jacobson. So some very good wins. Then came over a unanimous decision against Terry Brazier, unanimous decision against Bobby Lee, and maybe ha- you know was obviously supposed to fight Saul Rogers as well. That fight fell out, but maybe hasn't got maybe the push in Bellator that maybe a lot of people thought he would get. Um, you know, coming coming over with with such a profile, maybe from um, uh, from Cage Warriors and the Charlie Leary fight, I think it's a good fight. The fact though that Charlie Leary is coming off that loss to Davy Gallon at uh, at Bellator Dublin, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, that was the it was indeed. Uh, you know, he beat Kiefer Crosby before that in a fantastic performance, the doctor stoppage at the end of the first round. But he he has had a bit of an you know an iffy. Um, Record he lost to Tim Wilde, beat Chris Bungard, lost to Paul Redman, beat Tom Green. You know every kind of second fight he's he's winning and losing, but I I really like Charlie Leary. I think I think he's a wonderful fighter, honestly. And uh, you know the record maybe doesn't suggest that or the lad the, the win winning and losing every second one, but I think he'll. I think he'd put it up to Sarn back in lots of different ways, especially if it's a striking matchup. Now, I think on the ground, Sarn might have a little bit uh, of an advantage. Um, we'll see. And he's like, back is, is a guy, he, do, he doesn't look at it. I interviewed him once. I was at a media there where uh, one of the other, my, my colleagues interviewed him. And he's one of these guys, you kind of look at him and you think maybe he isn't the strongest looking guy in the world. He's kind of wiry looking. But then he gets into the cage and he grabs onto lads and he pulls them down and he can hit hard as well. Um... Just a very, very well-rounded fighter in all, in all areas, and he would be well-rounded if you if you were good in all areas, wouldn't you? Be alright, yeah, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm really uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, to seeing that one and seeing how it goes. Um, I think if look if back wins that fight, I think fifteen and one now in that division. As I said, he hasn't got that big name yet. Even this one, you know, fighting Charlie Leary. Um, after coming out of off of a loss and it's at a catch weight as well I I don't know and he's fighting obviously up at 115 pounds as well having fought at 145 pounds in, in cage wires and being the champion there but he was you know fighting at 155 pounds as well in the you know the double champion in cage wires as we all know um, but I, I, I don't know I don't know which division he wants to fight at in, in uh, Bellator but I, I would love I, I don't know if Kiefer Cosby's gone back to Bellator or not but I would love to see that fight if it was possibly put on maybe even him versus uh, someone like Quealy I know Quealy's fighting Vincent Henderson coming up but I think there's some good matchups in that division give him a go to 155 and see where we go from there but uh, I, I think look Charlie Leary 
is is a good first step, but uh, I I think he needs a bigger name and a bit of a push in that division to see uh, to see where he's going. To be honest, um, you know, the the higher up then you go on the guard, Lorenz Larkin versus Kyle Stewart. Interesting fight. Watching some of Kyle Stewart's um, fights, he's very tough. I suppose is the first thing you'd say about him. Throws a hard right hand over the top and down through the middle, and he loves to clinch as well. Um, which honestly, against Lorenz Larkin, I don't know. Does that make for an unbelievable fight? If I'm being honest, um, you see Larkin sometimes, and he comes out and he has these great fights, you know. But then you see him other times, and it is against the fence and maybe one big left hand is landed maybe something big happened like the Paul Daly fight it was halfway through the second round almost before a punch landed and then it was that big left hand that landed and he was gonzo but you know he fights after that he, he obviously won the decision against Fernando Gonzalez won the decision against Ian Pascu won the decision against Koreshkov won the decision against Keita Nakamura won the decision against Rafael Carvalho so you know when he came over from the UFC after beating Masvidal and Magni in a row that's crazy the fact that they signed him off of that then lost to Lima and Daly hasn't okay the Koreshkov fight absolutely but that was back in 2019 uh, fought Carvalho in the summer of last year uh, Rafael Carvalho even and uh, coming back against Kyle Stewart it's yeah it's not it's not a fight that I maybe expected to see you know this kind of fight is maybe coming from over as a fighting over in Paris uh, it's it's kind of a bizarre fight for, for the card but look I think Lorenz Larkin maybe this is the sort of fight that he needs to come back and maybe win well on defeat um, he's been around for a long time now he's 35 years of age has what you know, coming up on 30 fights, uh, he has 30 fights actually, um, and it's a, I think it's a, it's a moving fight for him really because you you actually see it a lot recently since kind of the pandemic, uh, you know, the acute phase I think as they're calling it has passed. Uh, you see a lot of fighters kind of coming back now and they haven't fought or fought once in the last three years, and they're they're. You know, and he has had a few cancel bouts as well. Don't get me wrong, but when you come back right and you haven't had, you've maybe had one to two fights in the last two and a half, three years. You come back and you have another fight against maybe someone who isn't going to push you forward or isn't a big name, and maybe it's the right thing to do considering you haven't fought that much. But also, you are mo- aren't moving yourself forward at the rate that you probably would have wanted to be. So there's another kind of six months, not necessarily down the drain, but another six months of waiting. And okay, he fought. You know, he's fought once against Rafael Carvalho since the end of 2019. That is that is a long time for someone like Lorenz Larkin. I know, I, I don't know, maybe there was injuries or something in there as well, but he was booked against two different people on this card. Um, and, and that, you know, it didn't materialise, but this is one that has materialised. And it, look, it could turn into a tough matchup if, uh, if uh, Kyle Stewart can get a few takedowns, if he can wrestle with him a bit. I see a lot of this fight being in the clinch, honestly, and I think if Larkin can avoid that right hand and get his striking going, I, I think he can win it there. But yeah, all in all, I don't expect it to be a classic, to be honest. Um, another one I honestly don't expect to be a classic is Yoel Romero versus Alex Polizzi. Um <laughs> Obviously, Yoel was supposed to fight against Melvin Manhoff, and I did a little bit of a preview of that in one of the shows before, and I kind of talked myself into getting excited by it just because of the clash of styles. Romero versus Polizzi, though, versus even Polizzi is very different, I think. Like, watching, I just watched two or three fights of Polizzi's there before I started doing this. Obviously, after getting the, the late notice call that he's in. Um, 
Not ex- <laughs> I, I don't know how to put this. I watched his fight against Julius Angliscus. Not exactly the most, uh, you know, uh, quickest in the world. The most quickest, so not exactly the quickest. Maybe not the biggest fast twitch movement like we would say with someone like Joel Romero. He throws leg kicks. Honestly, if he threw a leg kick here in Limerick, you'd see it coming for landing in Dublin. Like, it's so... Just seems so slow. And he was at that stage as well fighting up at 205 as he is now. I think he'd be more of a middleweight, but he's big, strong, big, muscular guy. I don't know, does he use that strength too well either? Seems like he's striking is a bit slow. And, you know, for Yoel Romero, it's an interesting test because Yoel is getting on now at this stage. He's 45 years of age. Lost his last three fights in a row. He's only fought once uh, in Bellator since he signed up there against Phil Davis in a boring split decision. Phil Davis in a boring split decision? Never. Uh, you know, and then before that, it was the boring fight against Adesanya. And then the boring fight. Well, no, the Costa fight was going away. Hold on, I take it back. But, uh, yeah, it, it just feels like it's a bit of movement time now. He's supposed to fight Uriah Hall in, in the UFC. He's supposed to fight Anthony Johnson, and, Joshua? Anthony Johnson in Bellator. Those fights fell out. The Melvin Manhill fight fell out. And this Pelizzi fight, like, I don't know how I actually see this going. I was trying to think about it. And, like, it's hard not to see a Yoel Romero fight in your head and see Yoel Romero trying to fly a knee in the third round and knocking a lad out, you know? I just feel like he needs to up the pace a little bit against someone like Pelizzi. Now, I, maybe I was a little bit remiss and I didn't mention it at the start. Pelizzi's a very good wrestler, you know, and I mentioned his strength. He can take guys down. But and look, Yoel has been taken down by guys just because he was an unbelievable Olympic wrestler. I don't know how well that has actually translated, or he has want to make it translate to uh, to mixed martial arts. And he's not a guy who can't be taken down, honestly. Uh, but he, he's look, he's usually very good from scrambles, and he uh, he people usually don't even try to take him down. So when they do, maybe it's uh, uh, he's caught a little bit unawares. But I think Belize should try to take him down, honestly. And I think Yoel Romero needs to put on an extra bit of pace. Like, obviously, the big issue with Yoel, he's afraid of gassing out and he doesn't want to go hell for leather from the very start. But I think he needs to throw a little bit more against Polizzi. And if he does, I think he'll win early. Um, I don't know what the game plan is going to be. If that is the game plan, I think it'll be successful. If it's not... The longer this fight goes, the more boring it could be. I'm breaking. I, I'm not getting people excited for this card. Am I recently, uh, really at all? No. Uh, yeah, some of these fights. Look, some some of these fights, it could be really good. I'm being honest here. It's just my opinion. I might be 100% wrong. All of them could be blowing. But I, even me saying, some of them could be blowing, maybe not. Like if Yoel comes out throwing shots at the very start and Polizzi, you know, is, is throwing back a few of his own, he can hit as well, you know? It could be an exciting fight. Same with the Larkin fight, but... It's just that clash of styles on, especially with the Pelizzi Yoel Romero fight. I'm not really sure how it'll actually meld because Pelizzi is does come forward and throws in the pocket and doesn't really get out of the pocket all that well. So, like, what's Yoel gonna do? Just let him do that and not hit him back? I, I think he needs to hit him back. I think he does need to hit him back and see see where it goes from there. But yeah, all in all, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure about it. Not sure about it, honestly. Right, the. Main event then, uh, Ryan Bader versus Czech Congo. Um, we saw this fight before. Bader was kind of winning the fight. He was taking Congo down, landing a few shots. It ended by that, uh, what was it? It was an eye poker, a no contest, some sort of, something happened anyway. And It, it was an eye poker, wasn't it? Um, uh, look, if you look at Ryan Bader's last fight, last few fights, they have been, 
It was it was an eye poke on the ground. Yeah, they have been uh, good and bad. Uh, the Moldovsky fight, very good. After I kind of written him off a little bit, uh, the Machida fight, he won that, but looked I thought very slow. The Corey Anderson fight, he got knocked out in fifty one seconds, but I didn't think he looked great in that. And the Nimkov fight in back at the end of twenty twenty, you know, better said a good few fights in the, in the pandemic time. Uh, he lost that as well in the second round and looked a bit slow in that. I remember in the Moldovsky fight. Uh, he went five full rounds in that fight. I remember saying that his, uh, you know, his family should be feeding him Kit Kats and Mountain Dew and full fat Coca Cola and all of that because he's a way better heavyweight in 2022 than he is a light heavyweight. Just because of that, the uh, the necessity for athleticism, I suppose, at two or five, whether it's where it's not as necessary at heavyweight. Like I thought, Moldovsky would win that fight uh, against Bader, but Bader was just like kind of a better athlete and was able to stay away from him. His his chin held up well enough as well. Um, against Congo, it's going to be very interesting. Like Congo has been beaten lots of people recently. Well, when I say recently, probably over the last six or seven years uh, since he's gone to Bellator with wrestling, you know. And as we saw in the first fight, Bader is a better wrestler than Congo. And I don't think Congo is going to beat Bader with wrestling. So that leaves uh, a very tough uh, conundrum, I suppose, for Czech Congo. Like, what's he going to do? Is he going to go out and try to strike with Bader? Like, I think at, at this stage... He may, he may as well. I think he might, might as well go out and try to throw a few, uh, throw a few big shots and try to knock him out because I think like Congo is a very fast and athletic guy. We've seen him down through the years when he, he has had to look at that Pat Barry fight. He's fast and he can throw shots. A little bit Arlovsky even the the last day. You know he and I mentioned it coming into that fight in the preview that guys like that at heavy while they're still why they're still able to do it so late into their 40s is because they're so much more athletic than everyone else like there's and I can as one of myself I can say there's a lot of fat heavyweights going around that are not that athletic and not that quick whereas they've always been very athletic and very quick and even if they aren't the best fighters in the world that quickness and athleticism can actually see them through um he's fighting Ryan Bader here though who I've just said, in fairness, that he isn't as quick and maybe isn't as athletic looking as he once was. And I think it's hard to disagree with that watching his last few fights. But is it enough? You know, we've seen the Moldovsky fight that it still holds up at heavyweight and he can still do it at heavyweight. Um, is it like is that going to be enough for Congo? I, I just don't think so. I don't think so. Now I have been, I've been writing off Ryan Bader, honestly. So I'm, I'm kind of drawing that back in. And you have to after we saw the Evans in the Moldovsky fight. But uh, yeah, I look, I think Bader will, will take him down here. Um, I think Congo's going to find it hard. He's hometown behind him. I, I think Bader will probably end up finish him in the, uh, in the first few rounds. But all in all, look, I think it'll be a good battle. I think either it'll be better taking him down, landing a lot of shots, or Congo trying to land a lot of shots on the, on the feet and stopping the takedown. So either way, it's it, unless Congo takes him down and lays on top of him for the whole night, I think it's it's going to be a good fight. So uh, I'll leave you with a bit of positivity on this card anyway, and we'll uh, we'll see where it goes. And look, it's great for the French fans to be able to see uh, mixed martial arts in their country, and uh, long may it continue. Um all right, everyone, I will leave it there. Hope you enjoyed that. Let me know your picks down below. Who do you think is going to win the main event? Is it going to be Congo? Is it going to be Bader? Uh, GT Polizzi, maybe getting in there and landing a few shots in Yoel Romero. Let me know what you think in the comment section here on YouTube, on Spotify, or wherever else you are. Um, 
Thanks to everyone for watching. I really appreciate it. My name is Sean Sheehan for SureDog.com. And I'll see you all next time.